Maybe. Another ride around the block, put put putting around with these two jocks. Another ride around the block. <laughs> that sounds so uninspiring. <laughs> I was I was advertently downplaying it, right? I like it. I gotta make yeah. it. To dream the impossible dream. I'm going out into the world. That reminds me, I ran away from home once. And I made it about three blocks away and I just couldn't figure out where to go. And I just sat down on the curb. A few minutes later, the police rolled up because my parents had called the police saying their son had run away from home. And I- <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I don't think I ever did that. But I, I was a little hellion and I got to stay like I, I was gone, like off doing all kinds of crazy things, jumping my bike over stuff, skateboarding down long hills. Like my parents might not have noticed if I'd run away. <laughs> uh, I did it twice. The second time I got farther, I was on the other side of town when the police picked me up. Yeah, what this brings up for me is the time that um, my mom and her boyfriend, we sold everything, packed it all in a U-Haul and headed out with a bunch of our friends up into the various campgrounds in Northern California. And the plan was we were going to spend summer just looking around Northern California to see where else we could live. And so we'd pull into a campground and we'd set up camp and then the adults would go into town, sometimes with the kids, and uh, we'd look around and just check out stuff. Um, and so we were totally like nomads before nomads. Um, uh, would, nomads have been around a long time, Mark. I don't think you were the first. Well, I nomads. meant the current trend of it in America. <laughs> the current trend of nomads. Anyway, we what were was great nomads about it, before nomads were nomads. <laughs> there was a point at which I got to stay behind for two weeks by myself as the, and I was supposed to meet them up in, take the Greyhound bus up to meet them in Pollock Pines. And so for two weeks, I was roaming around doing whatever I wanted at age 14. I had a backpack with all my stuff. And I spent like three or four days with, at my girlfriend's house. And I stayed with my friend Steve out in Mill Valley before I'd ever been to Mill Valley before. And, uh, I felt so free and on my own. It was great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I had a little pocket money. Did you take the um, bus to Pollock Pines? Yeah, we took the bus up there, and then we we lit out from there to parts unknown. Who's we? The whole caravan. My my mom and her boyfriend and a bunch of our friends that were kind of like just cruising around. So you all took the Greyhound to Pollock? No, 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 no. They took. They drove up earlier. I stayed behind. Yeah. So you and I met them by yourself. Right, and then. And then I Pollock met them. Pines I took in the summer's hell. What? Pollock Pines in the summer is hell. Well, it was spring still. Oh. 
Yeah. So you weren't in school? No, we, we, we left. It was after school was out. It was that's summertime. So dense today. Did you take your MCT oil? Look, that's summertime. School lets out in the summertime. Okay, maybe it is spring. It's like June 6th. Yeah. That's still very anyway, hot. Okay. It was a good story for the first few minutes until you got good. confused. Still good. I wasn't yeah. confused. I said, did you take the bus to Pollock Pines? Wondering and I said if yes. I and then you asked, did my and parents you take said, the bus? Yeah, we all did. Okay, playback. Art, play back the. This is no fun. Let's, let's not subject our friends to us arguing about stupid no, crap. Let's like argue. This. Your your partner loves it when we argue. Yeah, I today I'm gonna be your bitch. What? I'm gonna no bitch way. you out. I'm gonna make okay. you unhappy. I'm gonna drag your hair through the mud. Okay, very good. Because I have none. Oh, that sounds wonderful to me. I want to point out my T-shirt that says "Love the Mall," and it's a T-shirt about it's rescue no, animals. I didn't say "Love the Mall." You're the Save them all. one. Save them all. Yeah, and it shows little ghosts in the window. That's yeah. brilliant. D- dogs. So, I'm promoting, you know, rescue dogs, saving rescue dogs on Earth Day. Well, technically, it's Earth Day while we're recording. But no, it's really North Korea Military Foundation Day. Yay! <sighs> what a, I wonder if what? we have the national anthem of North Korea available. Oh, I'm sure we could find it. Not sure that I want to listen to it. Could be really good. I got it right here. All right. Play on. So can I share? Do I have to yeah, share? Yeah, do you have, do you have uh, at the bottom? Yeah, stand by. Please stand share. by. Uh, share screen. Okay, here we go. This is in honor of Military Foundation Day in North Korea for all those celebrating today. Monday, the 25th. Yeah, um, I just have to find art. art I I know what I did. I got it. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'd like a moment of silence. That's enough. That was beautiful. I'm crying. There are tears in my eyes of the profound nationality I am feeling right now. So did you see the screen or did you just hear it? No, and it just like was coming through your speakers. It wasn't. Got it. Well, anyway. Well, there we go. That's beautiful, man. It's beautiful, baby. So supposedly uh, this is a. Throwback to when it was founded in 1932 on April 25th in 1932. The Koreans People Revolutionary Army was founded on this date in 1932, a 90 years ago. That's beautiful. And uh, the history of it is that Kim Jong-il was given the title of Wansu, Marshal in the Army. And there was a huge parade on Military Foundation Day that year. And... 
Wansu. He was given the name Wansu. So he was like playing Dungeons and Dragons, and he said, I'm Wansu. And they were like, all right, okay. He was given the title. I don't know who gave it to him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it started on uh, April 1992 is when they started these, these celebrations. And it's a military parade, which is featured... Um, and the first parade was 48, apparently, but it wasn't until they named him Wansu that it became a national holiday. Wansu. I like that. Sounds like a dish. I'll take the number 42, the Wansu. Oh, Supreme (laughs) Dictatorship. Yes, we'll have that right on your plate right away. Right. And uh, all I I know is that... um, Wansu. On this day, all of the forces get the day off. All the forces. Yeah, all the different uh, military forces in Korea. <laughs> all the angels and devils have a rest day. <laughs> yeah, right. They, they get a rest day and they, they do this giant parade. So it'd be the perfect time to bomb them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good old American thought process right there. <laughs> that reminds me of the Six-Day War. No, I'm I'm the young Kippur. I really do not want innocent Korean North Koreans being murdered because of their dumb dictator. What if War is not the one answer. Of them robbed a bank, so but it was it was a funny joke. But we shouldn't joke about war and murder and things Why? like that. Why? Because I don't know. I think it, it it creates the wrong energetic ripples in the world. It puts out the wrong vibe, man. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, really. Are you questioning me again? Again, I am. Yeah. Stop it. We can joke about anything. That's true. I think. I think this is the first time I've actually yelled on this podcast. Really? How do you feel? I'm angry inside. (laughs) (laughs) I am angry. (laughs) Mark my words. (laughs) Anyway. There is an anger rising up from my loins. Yeah, they don't have very far to go, apparently. <laughs> what, the distance between my brain and my loins is very small. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be so funny. I'm to too. Up, is to make up doing. for the idea of bombing North Korea on, on their special well, that military. Was a good, I thought that was funny. I think, you know. I know. It'd be just like them bombing us on the 4th of July. Yeah, because we all take a rest day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It'd be like the Arabs bombing Israel on Yom Kippur. Uh-oh. Did that happen? Probably yeah. did, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it yeah. sure did. Well, that's not on our agenda today, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not bombing anyone today. <laughs> uh, or, or the Arab-Israeli conflict is not on our agenda today. No. Oy. We're bombed out of our head. Is it ironic that I said oi after... Boy, yes, yes, it's terribly ironic. <laughs> well, you know, I'm eager to leave Kim Jong Il and his er, ilk <laughs> behind in this conversation as quickly as possible. I hope What's they it called one soup. I'll one, have some one, one, soup. one soup, please. Yeah. Um, Would you like that with oppression? It means yeah. Marshall Wansu. Um, Wansu and a side of oppression, please. The title Wansu is has been used as a title of a high-ranking military commanders in Korean since the Goryeo dynasty. Wow. 
That's Juan Yule, a famous general in the 16th century, arose to the supreme command of Korean forces during the Imjin War, held the title of Do Wansu, roughly translated as High Marshal. That sounds like a a, rec- a a game you would play in the schoolyard. Okay, we're going to play Do Wan Su now. Who wants to be first? <laughs> I definitely don't want to be first. That general was always the one, I'm first, I'm first. And then there's one called Vice Marshal Chae Zhu, which is also unique to the North Korean, North Korean ranking system. And the Vice Marshal was first conferred in February 1953 to Cho Yong-gong. Yeah, well, like there's just stories all over the world of conquest and and you get special uh, insignia on your shoulder. Yeah, that's a military thing. Special yeah. insignia. My my brightly colored banners on my green uniform are better than your brightly colored banners on your green uniform. I have more of them. You only have three stars. I have five. Right. Exactly. You're my biatch. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that's North Korea Day, Military Day. Good luck. Enjoy that, guys. Just don't family, start, you stop throwing missiles across the Pacific. I mean, you know, they're not. No one's missiles. fooled. Could you picture someone holding a missile, throwing it, you know, goes about ten feet into the water? <laughs> mm. Yeah, Russia tested a brand new missile two days ago. I heard about on Bloomberg that can reach anywhere in the world. Oh, that's hypersonic speed with multiple warheads. Wow. Yeah, it was you who shared the news with me that now a nuclear war would take place in the air because it could do more damage and spread out farther instead of actually hitting the ground and exploding. Exactly. So now they have these hypersonic missiles that quickly go to someplace 100 feet up in the air, blow up. That's beautiful. Yep. But the aliens would step in and turn back time and stop it before it happened because they understand time travel and they want us to succeed. They They didn't mess around with the DNA of those monkeys just so we could turn out to blow ourselves up. Hey, speaking of time, are you a Chamber Brothers fan? I am. Do you, have you heard that Live at the Fillmore album? I don't think so. There's a song on there, Peace and Love, I think it's called. It's about 16 minutes long. My brother just turned me on to it. It's Ooh, I'm going to check that out. It's yeah, really Peace good. and Love by the Chambers Brothers. Yeah, Live at the Fillmore. Yeah, and Dylan Chambers, who is a, a casual friend of mine, who is continuing the legacy. Is he? Yeah, he's a, an amazing singer. He has kind of he has his own band, but he also plays with um, another band. I can't remember the name of them right now. But um, and his his father Lester is still kicking and doing that song. They do that song. Time. Yeah, the original cowbell song. Time. <laughs> yeah, good song. So moving on, I want to read the Dylan Thomas poem that we talked about in production. Do not go gentle into that good night. Okay. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. 
good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in the green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That's beautiful. Yeah. We were talking about that because um, in the context of dreaming the impossible dream, it's like not allowing yourself to succumb to the circumstances, right? Right. Rage against the dying of the light. Stand up to things like North Korea and war and, you know, stand up for something with potency and power. Yeah. You know what's beautiful about that story of Don Quixote is like this love that he had for the whore Dulcimea, but he saw her as this beautiful woman, like this, the light of the world, you know, and, and she believed in it. But then the people of the village just teased her and made fun of her because they just saw her as a whore. But then at the very end, she realizes, like the whole family, like realizes, oh, he he really was onto something. And then he dies. So often we miss out on people's brilliance. Yeah. Or out of jealousy and greed, we fuck with it. Because that's what his family did. They brought this psychologist, like psychiatric person, and the person held up a mirror so that he could see who he really was. And he saw himself as a madman, an old madman. When he saw that, he got sick and started dying. Right. And it's, it's our mind has so much power over us. So how we perceive ourselves means so much. Uh, and you know what the real story, which is a thick book, is it all starts in a prison. I think it was in Spain. Yep. And like the prisoners are going to kill this guy and fuck with him. And he tells them the story of Don Quixote. And at the end, like their hearts are moved and they understand what he's standing up for and what he's in prison for. And they don't fuck with him. Yeah, it was a major influence on the literary community. And, and a lot of references appear in The Three Musketeers and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and Edmund Rostand's Cyrano de Bergewacht. Um, there's also the word kixotic. And the epithet Lothario, both of those refer to the character in the Mm. book, right? Don Quixote, he's Quixotic. Yeah, and I didn't even think of Cyrano de Bergerac being based on it. That's another one of my favorite stories. Another one of the pathos where the woman realizing her true love, but he's dying. He, He dies. She has the famous line, I have loved one person in my life and he has died twice. Yeah. Cause she thought she loved Christian, but it was really Cyrano. Cyrano's so good. Huh. 
Yeah, it's interesting how those, those works are so derivative of each other. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. But. Well, and we also, we're so quick to judge people and we, the stories about how we miss the brilliance of these quixotic people in our lives who are um, unusual and don't want to play according to the limitations of the social constructs like that we're around. Um, and then in a weird way, eventually we celebrate them. But first, sometimes we pillory them. Yeah, we crucify them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's real. Speaking of that, I've, uh, I'm signing up for Wake Up Whitey. No, call it by its real term. Whitey, wake up. No, try again. Little white man with the big mouth. You're almost there. You've almost remembered it, right? It's the Remember Institute. I know that. It's the Remember Institute. Yeah, I like how they do that. Remember thyself course for people who identify as racially white. Yeah. Yeah. And the the product in June. Yeah. So did you, you talk to bridge about it? I did. And I'm working with one of her assistants. I'm having trouble with the website. So like I, I created a user profile, but it's not letting me in. And when I do forgot the password that it's just so at uh, noon today, I'm doing a Zoom with the assistant, and we're going to figure out what's going on. Yeah, so for those of you who are interested, rememberinstitute.com, and the name of the course is the Heal Thyself course. It's probably only going to run once this year, and it runs in June. And it's not just diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity. This is a deep dive, an initiation into purging yourself of all of your white fragility and all of the colonization of your mind that's occurred as a result of the cis patriarchal capitalist society that you live in. You know I'll what put that a link uh, in the comments. I just remembered um oh shoot, what was the sixties comedy group? They put out a bunch of albums. Um they're really like kind of the beatnik sixties scene. Oh shoot. They had this great album that I loved and it was like the history of the United States. And there's this one bit that I loved where Was it the um, Mind Troop? No, no, no. Because I was saying the Mime Troop don't put out albums. They're mimes. Yeah, it was what dang it. Um Second City? National Lampoon. No. Ah, anyway, there's this thing where like Whitey's meeting with one of the chiefs of the indigenous people. And, um, you know, he's all like, blah, blah, blah. You know, beautiful. The, the chief says, you know, well, this is our sacred, you know, such and such. And Whitey goes, yeah, it's beautiful. We're going to move it. Train's coming through. And then you're the civilization. Oh, and this train. And I was just like, oh, painful. Yeah. So these podcasts are going to get super interesting in June. <laughs> <laughs> Stay yeah. tuned as Greg goes through a massive transformation. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going yeah. to go fight. Go fight. Fight my way now. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm just actually very grateful for this opportunity. So I, yeah, the fact that BIPOC people have opened a school and for a really reasonable price are taking the time and energy to educate people who otherwise would remain blind to the context of our lives. That's no small feat to sit in that energy for them. It, you know, it'd be like, you know, Jewish people trying to teach Nazi supporters about what it's like to be Jewish. <clears throat> Yeah, and um, there is that element of, you know, it just kind of gets in my gut. I um, I just forgot his damn name, the rapper, the creator. Tyler, the creator? That doesn't sound right. Shoot. Yeah, I don't know this guy. I'm not much. Uh, anyway, he rapper. just played the Coliseum and a friend of mine videotape where he said, you know, he was out in Marin and how beautiful Marin is. And the white people there are really nice, too. And um, then another friend jumped in. We are. And I was like, yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) to a degree, there is also, you know, some chaos to be acknowledged. I just welcome to the entitlement zone. Right. The 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 fever. Not me, not me, not me. The fever of Black Lives Matter. It's like it's just it there's it was like a fad. On average, an African American is killed by police in this country every twenty eight hours. See? The fuck's up with that? Right. Every how many? 28 hours. Wow. I had a hard time swallowing that one, too. I was like, that can't be right. I started looking up statistics and da, 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 da. And then I I researched it and I was like, wow. See, the thing is, I was looking like when Black Lives Matter came up a couple years ago with the fun of covid isolation um so now so yes welcome to the roommates <laughs> yeah Being so, a um, podcast. hey candy no, okay. you should be watching and being quiet um read the room read the room <laughs> um there was what was we oh yeah um I started looking at the interviews with Muhammad Ali, where he's talking about the snakes coming down the aisle, you know, and he's talking about white people and the danger. Now he's afraid of them. And the person doing the interview was like, yeah, well, not all white people are like that. And Muhammad Ali is like, well, a thousand snakes are coming down the aisle. Maybe there's six of them there that aren't dangerous, but I'm not going to stay and figure out which six they are. You know, and uh, of course, James Baldwin's very famous for him talking about what it's like to be a black man in the United States and comparing that to when he went over to France. And it's like this is, you know, even Richard Pryor, you know, I mean, just. You know, what occurs to me is if we could liberate our culture from the remnants of all of this. That's exactly the amount of energy that African American BIPOC people could bring to to creativity to the right. stuff that they do naturally and and that they've created 
imagine how much better our society could be, how much better life could be. I mean, we just look at how oppressed they've been and they still invented jazz and all this other crazy stuff like peanut butter. Well, I don't want to trivialize it that way, but that's what are you saying? Peanut butter is a trivial and compared to jazz. Yes. Oh my God. You are a sad little man. And I pity you. Farewell. You can, you can pity me all you want. See how, how that'll do you. That might not do you much good. Do you know what that Your superior from? attitude? It smells like rotten peanut butter on a slow oh, Sunday. God, you are just, uh, I can't even think straight right now. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's if Howard Stern interviewed himself every week. That's kind of like what Moped Outlaws is like. He's kind of a great interviewer now. But it, the yeah, thing is... Like this, the the narrative of people of color and what and racism and what it's like to be a person of color in this country has been around for 500, 600 years plus. Right. Centuries. Exactly. And in my bones is this feeling of like, oh, yeah, we this new thing. We woke up and. And then we moved on. <laughs> but but as you say, that's not the reality. Well, that's our privilege, right? Our cultural context doesn't, it's not in our face every day. We don't walk out the door wondering if our son is going to get killed by a policeman today. Right. Or, or know that as a parent, that's a um, story we need to tell our child. Like, hey, if you get pulled over, this is what you do. And right now there's 20 states trying to ban the teaching of critical race theory. And that just tells you right away. They're so scared of the truth. If the, you know, on the same token, they're all talking about freedom of speech, like how they want Twitter to have freedom of speech. But, this, but, but meanwhile, they're afraid of anyone talking about anything outside the lines of their own version of history, because that might damage their children. Right? Like this is total hypocrisy. And it's great because that pimple has got to get lanced and popped and healed over for this reality to shift. And once this reality shifts, once BIPOC people have the kind of equity and the kind of freedom to really generate what they want, and there's been reparations, everyone's going to benefit. Yeah, I think that's true for, well, do you, in the narrative of Remember Institute, is uh, are the Native Americans part of the BIPOC culture like well, BIPOC people by black indigenous people of color so okay. that's what BIPOC means so yeah indigenous is covered uh, yeah. but it's not a it's not centered you know it's it's present but it also includes sexism and ableism this course also covers right. our you know that sort of stuff you know what i did just recently read that in the united states well, i'm not 100% sure i'm remembering this correctly but it looked like there are now more women ceos and owners of businesses in the united states than men and by a large percentage they are more philanthropic with their profits than men have been well it may be that they're more numerically but there's still not enough in places of highly concentrated wealth Like right now, DuPont, Chevron, you know, none of those organizations have female CEOs, right? Who's the CEO of DuPont? 
So it might be that more small businesses are more medium-sized businesses and numerically women have more CEOs or C-suite seats, but it's still the higher, like multi, multi-layered corporations, the really multinational ones are still controlled by men. And I'm not digging on men. I mean, men are fine, but you know, men are again, fine. there's a lot of potential that's, that lays untapped in our fear. And, um, I right, look at this. Mary is, um, the CEO of general motors. That's pretty huge. Okay. Michelle's the the CEO of Hershey company. Who is? Michelle. Okay. Oracle, Safra, Citigroup Inc., Jane, NASDAQ, Adina, Occidental Petroleum, Vicky. (laughs) The CEO. CEO. All right. So Gap, Sonia, um, and here's the thing for this news. When I read it, I thought like, wow, there really is an evolutional process that is naturally occurring. That is bringing balance over time. We are moving towards a genuinely divine way of living where people are happy and living together in peace and love. And that's, that is, you know, just like a string when plucked is going to resonate at a certain frequency. Our frequency is peace, love. That's our natural way. And that through the evolution of time, that's the, that's the direction we're going. You're talking my language. In fact, today's um, ACIM reading was about being speaking the word of God, speaking the word of, of healing. So I'm right there with you. I think it is um, our natural state. It's the, the, the way that the universe is organized and that we've been abused and conditioned by circumstances and people with intentions that weren't in alignment with that. And they can't win ultimately in time, it's all going to break down and we're going to get to a a different way of doing things. Um, And I, you know, we all have to take responsibility for being that change, you know? And so I, I really applaud you for one. I know the financial commitment is going to be a stretch for you. Like, even though you're probably going to get some, a good discount and some things like that, but the work you're doing in dismantling the, you know, conditioning that exists in your brain. Everyone does that the quicker we get to peace, man. Yeah, I do see it as an opportunity to, to uh, learn and grow. Yeah, that's awesome. In the meantime, to get us there, until we figure this out, we need Batman. Yeah, we need, we need a real Batman to come and clean things up. Oh. <laughs> now I don't quite grok this. This came up at our production meeting, and uh, Art was trying to explain it to me this week. You know, and I was like, I don't know. I just I'm not clear on what Mark's trying to say with this. Yeah, well. You know, it helps to understand that the origins of Batman are from trauma. He witnesses his parents get murdered. 
by a guy named Joe Chill, which is ironic enough. But if you follow the story in, you know, the original comics, Detective Comics, basically there's two different kind of origin stories. One is that Thomas and Martha Wayne are killed by just a robber and the robbery goes awry. But we find out later that actually Chill is hired to kill the Waynes as revenge for Thomas Wayne testifying against Lou Moxon, who is a mob boss. And so it's actually a mob murder that kills his parents. And he's right there and he witnesses it. And so much of what our society is like is there's so many inequities that just go unadjudicated. Our justice system is still very powerless. It takes so much time to get through and so many people get away with so much, you know, um, and I'm tongue in cheek advocating for the fact that we need a real Batman, but on part of my, my darker side was like, yeah, guy who could roll around and just kind of chop the head off of evil without having to go through all the red tape and just suddenly been- some really gnarly, like bad dudes would get their shit handed to them. Did you watch the movie, the big short? I have, but it's been a while. I've been watching a lot of clips from it this past week. And it is like what went down and the fact that no one had any one guy in the movie, according to the movie, one guy out of the whole banking system and everyone involved served time and was prosecuted. It's sick, man. It's just well, and a lot of that stuff still lurking in in all of the derivatives. Yeah, that's what the movie says. It says, you know, now they just renamed it. Game's still going on. Yeah, it's still going on. Yeah, and you know, in the last two years, forty percent of every dollar that's ever been produced was printed in the last two years by the Federal Reserve Bank. Really. 40% of all dollars in history. Almost half of the money in the past two years. So when you go to the grocery store and that thing of eggs and milk and bread costs you $45 now, (laughs) this is why. Yeah. That's crazy. You could make a case for the fact that that cash infusion helped us not have society collapse during the pandemic. Like there's, there's reasons for it, but at the same time, you know, we, it, we, the federal reserve bank is not federal. It's not a federal government entity. No. It's a private entity. Yeah. That's so interesting. And the can't Congress in 1913 abdicated their constitutional obligation to, to be the ones that issue currency. And, the Federal Reserve Bank controls the money supply, and they're supposed to do all these wonderful things with it. But if you just look, the dollar is continuing to go down and down. And compared to 1913, it's worth about five cents of what it was worth in 1913. It's probably even lower than that. And so here we are. It's this crazy shell game. And, you know, they, the banks can loan. You know, you go and you get a loan, and they charge you interest for it. The banks don't have that money. <laughs> they make it up. When you when you get the loan, it just gets made up. It's just printed up for the loan, and then they charge interest for that. Well, what do you mean by that? It's called like- fractional reserve banking. And what it means is that the bank only has to have 10% of the of money what they're it loans promising. What? <laughs> what? I hear you. I understand. 
Well, also, like I always wondered about the like if I transferred money or things and it takes three days and I was like, what the hell? And I then I learned this is a couple of decades ago. And I learned that it takes three days because the bank goes, oh, here's two hundred dollars being transferred. We're going to use it for three days to do things. And then here you go. <laughs> right. Right. This is why Batman is needed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Batman, Batman will kill all the evil bankers and Bitcoin will rule the day. But here's the thing, like in um, uh, ACM, what did you call ACIM, it? ACIM, A Course in Miracles. Yeah. One of the things I read recently is um, when we give up completely the idea of conflict, we will know peace. And yeah, because when you give up conflict completely, then you're the one that gets killed. And that's peace. <laughs> I'm, I'm, totally joking. I'm, I'm just kidding. I think what you're actually talking to to is this idea that we make war in our minds first. Yes, that's it. And that when we can no longer fear each other and realize that that we're of the same family and that the flesh is an illusion of separation, right? then it becomes possible to see beyond, you know, the need for vigilantism. Right. And, and you see everything as either a gift of love or a call for love. Right. Totally. I, I see Batman as, as a gift of love right now. I see him as a strange man in black leotards running around with a mask on and these cartoon Biff. Pow! Right? If he if he was actually righteous, why would he have to wear a mask? Hey, have you seen the new The Batman? No, I was reading about it, though. And up until this point, I hadn't really wanted to see it because the trailer was just such a big, like, sock and block and blow them up trailer that I, you know, I didn't really get any of the, the nuance of it. And I know we've talked about this before, but because I think it's way more important for the emotional resonance to be there. But when I was researching today per arts instructions about me claiming <laughs> we need a real Batman, I read the synopsis and I'm like, Whoa, this actually sounds pretty good. And I'm hearing that people really think it's good. That's what I've been hearing. My youngest daughter saw it and she thought it was good. Um, It's on HBO now. Yeah. So like, yeah. Hey, speaking of, did you check out, do you have Apple plus? Yes. Have you checked out um, slow horses? No, I haven't. I know we talked about it. And um, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to mark my words. It's so good. Oh, my God. And Gary Oldman is so brilliant in it. So good. Mm. Hey, have you got a real ID? The kind that you need? In no, no, no. I just have last time I renewed my driver's license, I was like, ah, it's too much hassle. I'll just take it. <laughs> they want me to upload all this document shit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So and when does it do? When am I? Must I? Next, when, next year, like March of next year. Well, I'm going to get sunsetted in because my my license doesn't expire for another couple of years. What does sunsetted in mean? 
it means I'm going to be like in the twilight between the two zones for a while because of where my license renewal is. You won't be able to, no, you can, you can get a real ID without renewing your license. I have a passport. It won't be enough. So tell me more about this Don Quixote. My understanding is like, you need this real ID to do, um, flights just in the united states you'll need a real id okay and a passport won't do it you need your real id to like fly down to la like when spielberg calls or you know dreamworks and they say hey you guys that podcast you're doing that was really awesome and we heard about that idea of um the granny wars and uh we're interested and you know you need to be here by friday And Mark's like, all right, let me book a flight. And you get to the airport and they go, no, you can't go on this flight. Where's your real ID? You're like, oh, shit. And you rent a car and you're driving down. You arrive two hours late. Wait, wait, you left out a part. I rent a car from John Candy. From John Candy. Who says we're out of cars. And he sends me over to the train ticket counter. And Steve Martin's waiting for me there. And he says, there's no trains, but you can take a bus. Yeah. And then you and I are cuddled together in some bed. And I'm like... What are you doing? I like that. I got my hands with pillows. That's not pillows. We're all like, ah! <laughs> so what you're saying is that there's a, a new identification document that I must have by when? Next year? Yeah, I think it's March of next year. Yeah. So right around my birthday. Well, I'll do some research on this and find out for sure what the deal is around my real identity. Okay, it is a it is a real hassle. I agree with you there. <laughs> Did you do it? I'm in the process of doing it. Yeah, because do you need I, your birth certificate and your left nut and a fingerprint exactly. from your eyeball? Exactly. What biometric data is required? A little cup and a magazine. You go into the bathroom. <laughs> no, but do they require like a biometric ID of some sort, like a fingerprint or an? Um... No, this. Um, uh birth certificate so two documents a, a birth certificate and a utilities bill showing your residence oh but i don't i don't pay for utilities here well so you're going to have to there's some other choices there okay might be worth like you putting pg&e or water in your name for this process or maybe i'll just fake my death <laughs> <laughs> And then you and Elvis will hang out together. And, and I'll just walk to <laughs> Michael LA. Jackson. I'll say, you want to do my movie? Send a car for me. Send a jet. <laughs> <laughs> Pick me up at the Santa Rosa airport with a Learjet. Yeah. And don't ask too many questions. That's or it. Batman will visit you. <laughs> <laughs> I want 12 pounds of Peruvian flake and 23 hookers. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. The first one would kill me. And the second one would blow you. (laughs) In that order. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Let's try and revive him. (laughs) That reminds me of a joke, a Norm MacDonald joke. So uh, there's this guy who's in a coma, and he's been in a coma for months, and the doctors are just at their wits end. They don't want know what to do. And his wife's, you know, meeting with the main doctor and the main doctor's like, well, there is this one thing that, you know, it's 
I don't even know if I should share it, but it's been proven to work. She's like, well, I'll try anything. What, what, you know, are you, what would work? And he goes, well, there's been instances where oral sex has woken a person from a coma. And if you're willing to try it, you know, then, um, I'll, it's worth a try. So she goes, all right, I'll do it. She goes into the room. She's in there for 10 minutes. She comes out. Doc goes, well, how'd it go? She goes, I don't know. He just kept choking. You told it at the production meeting with the uh, sexual roles reversed. Yeah, I thought I'd reverse them and see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Art said go with it. (laughs) Yeah, he's usually right. Usually. He is a sad person, though, at times. Well, his name, Art, stands for always right, though. (laughs) <laughs> as he reminds us over and over again <laughs> yeah <sighs> well i'm really glad that there's not a really ba- a real batman ultimately you know that would just be too much we the world does not need a real batman <clears throat> But it's funny how there's, you know, ways for us to access that in entertainment. Hey, wait a second. I'm going to get us kicked off Facebook. says we aren't culturally relevant. No 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 boy Robin Yeah When my sister came home from being born, you know, you know, my parents brought her home my mom knew that it was going to be like a, a world changing event for me. Cause I'd been getting all the attention. You told me, I think you've shared this story on the podcast. You got the Batman outfit. I'm, and I'm repeating dad, myself again. And your dad took you to McDonald's. No, 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 no. That, you're conflating two things. I got a Batmobile. Oh, when my sister came home. Okay. And let's not tell the other story. <laughs> I continue this story. So you got the Batmobile. Yeah. My sister, my mom said, you're, this is your new sister, Doran. And she brought you a present, open it up. And there it was, is this killer Batmobile 
made like after the sixties TV show, which I watched all the time at that point. That's rad. Yeah. That 60s show I appreciated again. Like I loved it as a kid, but had no idea of the nuance and ton and cheek chaos. And then as yeah, a it'd be teenager, good to revisit it. I haven't seen it in forty years, so it'd be fun to revisit it. Oh really? You never saw it as like a stoner adult, young adult? I did, but I just don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I haven't really watched it. Oh man, I saw it. It was like so tongue in cheek and funny. And same with Get Smart. As a kid, I loved Get Smart. Yeah. And then as a young adult, I realized the chaos. <laughs> I think both of those shows were Desilu Productions. Really? I know Mel Brooks did um, Get Smart. Oh. That's the thing, you know, Lucille Ball and her husband. They ran an incredible, yeah, Batman and the Desilu Backlot. Really? Yeah. Wow. She was, yeah, and he also, like, I learned, like, they both were powerhouse-driven business people. Like, they, I think that's why they lasted so long together. It's because she did respect his business acumen the untouchables mission impossible star trek wow dang i did not realize that i you know i thought she was super rich just from her shows but obviously so here it is i love lucy our miss brooks willie shower of the stars december bride the life and legend of wyatt earp the adventures of jim bowie sheriff cochise the whirly birds the official detective the walter winchell file the lucy desi comedy hour the texan westinghouse desi lou playhouse the ann southern show this is alice the untouchables guest word ho angel harrigan and son fair exchange the lucy so you don't say the greatest show on earth Glynis, Star Trek, Mission Impossible, and Mannix, but nothing about the Batman. Apparently, it was just shot on uh, their things. Well, after that's revenue in their pocket. The the lot was rented by the production company, so <clears throat> they didn't yep. just give it to them. That's it. And Mission Impossible, that was a great show. That had a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. Dang. My Three Sons, the Jody really? Bishop show. Yeah, these My were all Three filmed was... there. They weren't produced by Desi uh, okay. Lou, but they were filmed there. All right. So. The Andy Griffith Show, Gomer really? Pyle. Really? Yeah. My wow. Favorite Martian, Dick Van Dyke. So that studio was well used. Yeah. Wow, those are all shows that I grew up with loving. I'll, I'll bet that uh, their um, their family, I guess it's a son and a daughter. I'm not sure exactly what who, who um, but I'll bet they ha- still had a pretty big fortune from all that oh, revenue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the replays of I Love Lucy and the Lucy show. Um, That just reminded me of Tyler Perry. I think what he's created in Atlanta with his studio system is just incredible. It's just. Yeah. I should approach him about the grandmother war. Yeah, you should. Um, Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I got to get my real ID first. <laughs> exactly. As you may say, like, all right, be here by Friday. <laughs> Mr. Perry will see you now. <laughs> exactly. My moped only goes 35 miles an hour. I'll be there in two weeks. <laughs> Recording stopped. <laughs>